When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. All right. <laughs> we'll take it. H-Town Hoops Podcast. That's a... That's a new way to, to, to intro the podcast. I uh, appreciate Odyssey producing that, that nice little intro for us. Adam, uh, good to be with you, man. Yeah, how are you? I'm good, man. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to jump right into it because I got questions about, about these Rockets, man. I, I thought when we started these podcast, when we started this podcast, the H-Town Who's podcast, that we were covering loser, man. And yeah, I know, I know it's still for the most part is a loser, one of the worst teams in the NBA, but look, man, all of a sudden they are four and three in their last seven games. And I just keep going back to about a week or two ago when we were coming off of a win and I'm like, Hey, Adam, we're not going to talk about too many wins this season. And, and we won't to be sure, but like in the grand scheme of things, but it, it, it's funny that we would come and, and start this within that time when they're starting to get hot. And so, lo and behold, of course, you guys all saw it. Double overtime win, thrilling victory for the Rockets, 132 to 123 again in double overtime against the Philadelphia Rockets or, the, you know, the, like however you want to look at it, James Harden Sixers with a bunch of Rockets on it. Double overtime game. We sat next to each other at Toyota Center for this game. And I just want to ask you, man, is are, are they ruining the dream? Do they do they not see the vision that so many Rockets fans have for them of bottoming out this year? And I mean, are are the Rockets too good for their own good? I mean, it's not like they're gonna be competing for a play in spot anytime soon this year. I mean, they are still they still have the second worst record in, in the Western Conference. Uh let's see, they are fourth worst in the league. So I mean, this is just you're going to go through these types of stretches. Remember, it was around this time last year where they won seven straight games. So you're not losing every single game. Um they won 20 last year. That was kind of the baseline for what you would expect this season. But even after all this, it's not like they're gonna win. You know, many, if, if they get to 25, I think they would be happy with that. Uh, if they get to 30, I think they would be pretty surprised at this point. But they had a baseline. You have a baseline. That means you're going to win some games every now and then. I think the schedule has eased up just a little bit. I think it's been nice for them that they've been able to play some home games. I mean, if, when you look, they played nine home games this season, which, is, which matches Denver with the fewest number of home games. They're four and five, so they're actually playing okay at home. It's just that they're getting killed on the road, and that's what happens with young teams. Yeah, I think it's maybe easy to forget now since they're having this success, and, and especially since they're going down this stretch of eight or nine games at home. But they started with 
10 of 13 games on the road, and they had the league's toughest strength of schedule based on opponents and the road games through the first 24 games of the season. And so that's what they've been up against on top of the fact that they are who they are. So, so I, I mean, I, I, I think there's a lot to what you're saying about the schedule letting up for them and this sort of being part of the ebbs and flow of a season. But I, I, I do sort of snicker a little bit at the pro tanking crowd because we're in Houston where only one of the pro teams is good and we're, tanking is so much part of, of, of the conversation and you know there is a there is a, a a prospect that everyone likes or that there seems to be some consensus on in Wimbanyana um coming up in 2023 so I I, I think it's funny whenever <laughs> there's this conflict for people who want good things to happen for the team and these are good moments um but also are like starting to get worried that they won't be able to accomplish that ultimate goal of, of being able to, to get that player. But, but one thing I'll say, Adam, and this is what I want to get into you with about the progress of the team. But like, I, I think more than anything, when wins or losses or whatever it is, it's like, it's the way these wins are happening or the, the, the way that they're playing when these moments happen. I mean, you look at, you look at, you take Monday night, for example, Obviously, they're led by Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., but, I mean, you have some really big moments from guys like Tari Eason, who we'll talk about a little bit later, and Jabari Smith Jr. I think I think the fact that it was such a big rookie day is, you know, really cool for Rockets fans or people who are, like, you know, invested in the development of of the team overall. But, I mean, I, w- I wanted to ask you, where, where have you seen the most progress? Because, obviously – for them to for them to be four and three in their last seven games, obviously there's been some progress somewhere. Where would you say that you've seen it the most? You know, I don't know if there has been really a whole lot of progress. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't know if they're necessarily playing that much different, you know, right now than they were before this stretch. I mean, you look at the numbers, the offense has been better. I mean, they, they are shooting the ball better. They're getting to the line a little bit more. You know, uh, for the season, they are at uh, 109.7 points per 100 possessions. That's actually 114.8 over the last five games. So that's a big improvement. Defensively, they've gotten worse. They're turning the ball over more, but they're shooting the ball better from three. They're getting to the free throw line a little bit more. So from a team standpoint, I think that's what you're seeing. But you're, you're also, I mean, if, if Devin Booker makes, you know, Devin Booker had two pretty good looks to win the game on Friday. He makes one of those. It's a different story. James Harden had a good look from three to win the game on Monday. If he makes that, then it's a different story. Then maybe we're thinking a little bit different about it. So I don't think that they're doing anything a whole lot different. Uh, I think that you're seeing some individual play uh, that's been a little bit better, specifically um, with Jabari Smith Jr. You're going to talk about Eason. I think that he's been a little bit better too of late. Um, but I, I guess I guess the one thing that you look at, maybe they're closing games better. But it's not like any of these have been – they had the one resounding win. They had the one resounding win against Oklahoma City. But against Atlanta, they came from, what, 17 points down. Against Phoenix, they came from from way down to win that game. And then they got off to a bad start against the Sixers on Monday. So uh, I just think that you're going to win some games. I, I don't necessarily think that anything is demonstrably better today than seven games ago. And see, for me, the, the last part that you just mentioned is is what's better to me is that 
it feels like there was a point where you wouldn't be able to rely on them to win those types of games. Like they're starting these games off horribly, looking like exactly the team that we kind of expected them to be in some cases, even worse. But the, the fact that they're coming back from these deficits and then I would point to this most recent one, the, the, the double overtime win against the Sixers as a really good example of the kind of game that you could count on them to lose in the past that, and, and I know this was kind of a narrative after the game where Steven Silas was saying, Hey, you know, however long ago, we might not win this game. And, and I think maybe it was Tari Eason or someone else who, who mentioned it as well. I, I, I read about or, or read a quote that was similar to what, uh, to what Silas has said. I, I kind of agree with them there that there is, and we've talked about this, I guess, in previous episodes about the maturation, the maturity of maybe specifically Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., but really the team overall, I feel like there is something to be said for, I don't know, it's a little bit cliche when they talk about learning how to win games and and, and all of that sort of thing, but I do think that there's something to be said for experience and trial by fire and, again, maturity. And so I guess maybe that's where, where I see improvement. I would say offensively, I feel like there's more ball movement. They're moving the ball around a little bit better. And like you mentioned, they're getting into the paint. Well, especially against the Sixers, doing a good job of getting to the rim or trying to force the issue a little bit. And yeah, I, I would say that's the probably the main thing on the court. But sort of intangibly, it seems like coming from behind, closing out games, Showing that they showing that they can actually close out a game and and and, and win a close game late or, or or overcome a deficit and overcome themselves in a lot of ways. Yeah, but how does does your opinion of that differ at all if Booker makes the twenty footer, if Harden makes the three on Monday? Because then all of a sudden you didn't win those two games. No, and it's a little no. bit different. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't think it changes at all. Like we talked about on the last episode, how lucky, how strange and lucky of an ending that was for them. And, and, and then, of course, with the Sixers, I thought, you know, like you think about, it, they, they're down ten to nothing to start the game. Like uh, there's that, there's that third quarter where, if not for Tari Eason's eleven points and some energy there, that you know, they had a lot of opportunities to lose. Both, both teams. I mean, if we're honest about it. The, the Sixers and the Rockets both had opportunities to win the game and, and did not seize them. That's how we wound up in the overtime situations to begin with. It was like neither team wanted to take the game by the reins. Like that was that was so, sort of a theme. So I, I would say, no, my opinion doesn't change, but I guess I am. I guess I, I feel like I am seeing some level of resolve that, and maybe it's a, a product of the result. Like they, they come out and win the game and, and my judgment is clouded by it a little bit. Maybe I am guilty of that, but I don't know, man. Like I, I just see a little bit more fight. And it seems like it's a little bit more of a kind of a mature down the stretch uh, performance by a team. I, I don't think that's wrong. I, I do think that they are playing with a little more, uh, I don't know if maturity is the right word to use, but they, they are definitely like, they're not getting overcome, overwhelmed by the big moment. And I do think that's important. I think what you said about resolve has been, is really important because they don't win that Hawks game without it. And I think that Hawks game is really what got this started where the Hawks, you know, Trey, uh, Trey young and DeJounte Murray really 
were disrespecting them. And they said, no, we've had enough of this. And then they really turned it on and they played well and they kind of waved, uh, waved the Hawks out of the gym, you know, towards the end of the game. So I, I do think that that's where you're probably seeing the growth. I, I do think that just for, for these rookies who are now getting a taste of the NBA, I think they're starting to figure it out a little bit more. That's we'll talk about that with Eason, but I brought that up specifically with him uh, after the game last night. So I, yeah, I, I, there's certainly progress being made. Uh, I don't know if, if there's as much progress being made as people want to think. I just think that they're just ha- they just happen to be winning games at this point. Interesting. So b- before we get into Eason and, and start to talking about the rookies, just to kind of stay on this point for a moment, since you since you don't feel like there's maybe as much progress as as maybe yeah, uh, myself and others might want to make there out to be. <laughs> My follow-up question was going to be how much credit does Steven Silas deserve for, I don't know if, if turnaround is the right word. I'm progress, turnaround. There's maybe some some semantics with the word, the, the wording and phrasing that we're using here. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago where we were asking the question. I was asking the question and we were both kind of making the point of, you know, how long does Steven Silas keep this job or, or his days numbered? And the overall outlook of the team, I feel like it's probably still the same. Like it's a long way to go, blah, 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 right. But does this little stretch here reflect positively, if at all, on Steven Silas? Is there anything to glean about him from from this little time that we're talking about here? I think as a coach individually, I I think that you see some good things with him, especially when it comes to drawing up stuff out of timeouts. I think that he's really good at that. And when you're in these close games and they're able to execute these plays towards the end of the game, I think that shows it off. But I, I do think Silas's big strength right now is just remaining positive and not letting, you know, three and 14 or whatever it is, you know, get guys down. And, and I think that's the toughest thing for coaches when you're in a development situation is not necessarily worrying about the wins or losses. It's about like keeping everyone pulled towards the right direction. And that I do think that he's been able to do a good job of so far. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Really to, to a, to a point, to a man, everything that you just said about, you know, how he is able to draw up plays. And I mean, honestly, like these last few seasons, man, like Steven Silas, I know it's been really hard to evaluate him. And I know that, a lot of fans have lost long lost patience with Steven Silas for, for exactly what reason. I'm not really sure because like, this is just the Rockets lot in life right now. And like, it's not like no matter who the coach was going to be that that person was going to take them into a place where they just aren't ready to be it. So it, it's always been a little bit peculiar to me that he, uh, and maybe it's just a, a way for a lot of people who are emotional about the team to, to voice their frustration and to, and to fixate on something that they feel like needs to change. But I don't know. I, I, I've been uh, in some ways happy for, 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 for Silas, given that the, the younger players are playing better and that, you know, it's, there haven't been a lot of bright spots is I guess is the point you mentioned the, what was it? The seven game winning streak from last year. And, you know, there were, there was like a, a moment, there were some moments, I guess in 2020, but there have not been a lot is the point that I'm making. There have not been a lot of positive moments to, to cling to. And, and this feels like, like, I don't know how much, I don't think 
it necessarily saves his job or anything. I don't know how long it keeps him on the job or anything like that. If it has like any kind of tangible impact, but it is, it is good to see some fruits of the labor, so to speak. I think it was maybe Kevin Porter Jr. Who was talking, who might've had that quote of like fruits of the, they put in a lot of work and don't get a lot of results. Yeah. And I think Silas even said that too, where it's like, Hey, these guys are, they're working hard. They're playing hard. You want to see them happy after a game. And when you are, 20 and 62 a year ago, you're not going to be happy after very many games. You know, more often or not, you're walking off the court unhappy. And then when they're starting the year three and 14, it's hard to sometimes just plow forward and plow through that. Uh, so I, I do think the fact that they are winning some games here is helpful. And I do think that it keeps just the locker room and, and the vibe positive and it gets everybody just pulling in the same direction. And I think that with this group, that's all you can ask for. So uh He's, it's very hard to evaluate him just because he's been handed a team that's supposed to lose, essentially. So you would like to see him get the chance to see this thing out. I don't know if they'll have that opportunity, but it's somewhat similar to, to Brett Brown in Philadelphia. And you know Brett Brown took over that team when just right at the start of the process. And he was at least able to see that thing through and you know get to the playoffs a couple. You know I think they went on, what, three playoff runs under Brett Brown. So I do think that it would be great if Silas had that same sort of opportunity. We'll see how patient they actually are. All right, Adam. I want to talk about Tari Eason. I love this kid's game. I love that they were able to draft him. He was one of the guys, you know, after, after the conversation about what to do with number three overall, and, and we remember how draft they played out didn't expect Jabari to be there uh Paolo ended up going number one all of that but what's do with those with the with the rest of your first round picks who to pick and Tari Eason was one of the guys that I was like hey go get that guy love his love his style love his effort like only knows one speed and sure enough he follows up the career high season high slash career high is a rookie obviously 19 point game on saturday with 18 on monday night against the sixers i mentioned earlier the 11 points that he had in the third quarter and i i'm just gonna say it man i love to watch the kid play um i thought he's he's had some struggles there earlier in the year um missed a lot of buddies um, have trouble finishing at the rim, which I also thought was odd because he's you know, a pretty good athlete. What do you make of Tari Eason having the best stretch of his rookie season so far? I just think he's disruptive. And I think that's what really makes him valuable is that he, he can come in and really just blow up another team's offense. And I thought he took over the game in the third quarter uh, on Monday against Philadelphia. I thought that's what he did. And you mentioned – you know, he's actually shooting. The, I don't know exactly what the numbers are from three. Let me find them real quick. Uh, I think that he feels like he's shooting the three a little bit better than I would have anticipated, especially this soon in his career. But he's at 36% from three, which, I mean, that's what, right at league average, maybe even above it. Um, he's got to get better. You brought this up, too. He's got to get better around the rim. Uh, but he is, he has gotten better. I, I think at one right. point he was like 42 43% from the restricted area. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that that you can't have because it really puts your your defense at at a uh, at a big disadvantage when you're not making layups. Um, so that's gotten better, and he he understood that. Yeah, I was not finishing at the rim. I needed to be better, and part of it is just getting used to 
these shot blockers that you have to deal with. So I, I do think that he's getting a little bit more comfortable with that. So yeah, everything is, uh, that was a, I think that was a pick that was universally liked uh, when it was made. I think it, it was hard to believe that he did fall down to 17. I thought that if they were to take him, they might have to trade up a few spots to get him, but it's worked out really well. And he fits exactly with, with what, with how they want to play um, again, a disruptive force defensively. Uh, he's not quite as athletic. You brought up the athleticism. He's not quite as athletic as I think I thought he would be, but that's something again that you can work on. And a lot of that is just the explosiveness. And I do think that that's something that they can really work with him over the summer on. Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to put it. The the, I guess what I was trying to say about the athleticism and struggling around the basket. I I thought that there was more athleticism. I guess is what wow. is what I was trying to say. And and maybe there is. Maybe it's just. I don't know. Maybe it's too early to tell. I don't know. But based off of watching him in college and really more specifically watching him over the summer, you know, he was a he was a maniac on the on the summer program circuit. And of course, he played summer league ball. And I don't know, I guess from that and maybe either from the hype of that or I don't know what, but I, I expected to see a little bit more athletically. But what is true to the scouting report and to the eye test is that he goes all out every time. Like there is, there is no loafing. There is no, any of that, you know, I guess maybe my favorite play, one of my favorite plays from Monday's game was that still he had on the baseline. It's there was a steal and this is in the third quarter. There's a steal in the corner and, uh, I mean, he steals the ball and then he's got the reverse layup right there in the third quarter. That I thought was a really big play. Um, yeah, man, I, 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 I'm just, I'm really enjoying. How about it being? How about Monday night being a really cool rookie night anyway? Right? I mean, you got Tari Eason having his stretch and Jabari, man. <laughs> Jabari made a couple of moves off the dribble that I wasn't expecting. And I guess we talked about this a little bit as well of like him trying to stay within himself, but also feeling a little bit more comfortable putting the ball on the floor. Uh, talking about Tari here, but what did you think about Jabari's performance on Monday night and just kind of how he it, it continues to seem like he's getting more comfortable? Yeah, I think the defense is just what stands out with him. And he got switched on. I can't remember. It was late in the second half. And it might have been on Harden where he got switched on to Harden and Harden tried to ISO him and, and – and Jabari did a really nice job of staying with him and contesting the shot. So uh, I think defensively, he's as good as you're going to find. I do think that eventually he'll get there. Um, the shooting, he's he's just more confident. I just think the confidence is the big thing. And I do want to go back to Eason because you look at just – and counting stats aren't everything, but he's playing 19 minutes a game, and he's averaging a steal and a half. He's getting you, he's getting you two offensive rebounds every single night. And, and again, that's only playing 19 minutes. You just you go to, to, to per 36. I mean, more than four offensive rebounds per 36 minutes. That's 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 a monster number. Um, just he just he just produces. And yeah, yeah, Adam, you can you can only explain. I feel like you can only explain that stat with effort. Like, yes, like that that number for that amount of minutes. That you just give the give the number again, give the stat. What what is he averaging in how many minutes? Nineteen minutes and a steal and a half. Say it again. 
1.4 steals, 2.2 offensive rebounds in 19 minutes, less than 19 minutes, a hair less than 19. Yeah, yeah. You cannot explain that stat other than this guy plays with his hair on fire. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, a big reason why he's gotten so much playing time. It's been kind of one of the one of the benefits, I guess, you know, the, the unforeseen benefits with Jay Sean Tate being hurt is that it has opened up a bunch of minutes for somebody like Tari Eason. So I, I think that he has, he was really good in summer league. He was impressive in summer league and he's carried that over. And it's one of these like right outside of the lottery picks that they've had both with Shingun last year and now with Eason this year, that these guys have been good a lot quicker than I think even the Rockets thought they would be. And it's kind of led to, to what will eventually be some tough decisions uh, whenever Tate does come back. Since you mentioned it, um, and I think I I was listening back to the game or watching the, the re-air, and they didn't seem to be, like, you know, have anything on when he might be back. Is there is there a feeling on nope. – there, there's there's kind of no sense on, on, on what the timetable is for him and the, and the ankle? Nope. He, he ran on Monday. That's, That's right. That's what they said. That was the update. He's running now. Yeah, so he he uh, he did some on court work in San Francisco on Saturday before that game. I think it was just taking some standstill shots, and then that has gotten now that has increased to running. But I was at practice today. I didn't see him uh, when practice broke up, so I don't know if he was able to do anything more than that. But yeah, it's looking like this is still he's still weeks out from getting on the floor. The Rockets brought up Ty Ty Washington from Rio Grande Valley. Over the weekend, it was either Sunday or Monday. Monday. Uh, ahead of right, ahead of Monday's game, he didn't play. But I, I'm asking this question in part because uh, I've seen some Dacian Knicks conversation on on the internet in in different in different pockets of of, of Rockets Twitter and message board land and, and, and podcast world. Um, I, I this is nothing against Dacia Knicks, but I'm ready to see Ty Ty Washington. Let's put it to you that way. That's maybe a better way, a kinder way to say it. When will we see Ty Ty Washington? Should we see Ty Ty Washington? Is is that is that? Do you feel like that's something that's in the near future? I, I don't know. It, it's a really good question, and I just assume that when they brought him up, because this is the second time that they've brought him up since he, you know, initially got sent down, and the first time they brought him up, it was because. The Vipers had just a hole in their schedule where I think they had they went five days without a game. So it made sense to bring him up, bring Trevor Hudgens up just to, you know, make sure. And Steven Silas said this, make sure that they feel part of the group. They bring him up yesterday and the Vipers had a game yesterday. The Vipers, I think they have a game tonight. I think they have a game on Friday. So if you're going to so he's obviously he's missing out on playing games there. So if you bring him up, then isn't the point to have him play games here? And apparently that is not the goal right now. But it, it sounded like. Um, Steven Silas said today that they just want to get a look. And I think that he's going to get the opportunity to practice with them, which does matter. You know, he had, he went through a full practice today. They'll have a shoot around tomorrow in San Antonio. Uh, and they'll, yeah, I can't remember if they're going to shoot around here in San Antonio. Um, they'll probably have a full practice again on Friday. So again, that's an opportunity to get a look at him. They'll probably, he'll, you know, if you get into certain situations, he might have a chance to play in one of these games coming up. And then Silas said they're going to reevaluate things after that. So I, I don't think they're ready to just give up on Dacian Nix at this point. Remember, he's still just, what, 20 years old? And they liked him enough to give him the the, the contract 
during the season last year. So just giving up on him after 20 something games, I don't think is something that they're prepared to do, nor should they do, but Knicks hasn't been good enough. I, I don't think that anyone would argue with that. And it's opened up an opportunity for Washington. It's just a matter of can Knicks get things together? Can Knicks uh, increase his level of play? If not, then you do have Washington there. But again, Washington, he's been, you know, in the organization for not a whole lot of time. So it's not a whole lot of time for him to learn exactly how they want to do things. Yeah, man. But it feels like every time I looked up and <laughs> see a post about what Washington was doing with the Vipers, it's, it, it felt like he's just killing it. Like he's crushing the game. I don't know how closely you've been following what he was doing with the Vipers, but it's like, okay, I get it. It's the Vipers. It's not the same level of competition. And everybody who you assume is an actual NBA level player who go to who goes down there, you suspect is going to have moments like that or potentially could have moments like that. But I think that's part of what it is. And maybe at least for me is like you mentioned, Knicks has not been good enough. And Washington, maybe even the part of the unknown, like you say, he hasn't been around that long. Maybe the, the, the fact that he's unknown somewhat is intriguing. And the parts that you are seeing with the Vipers, like how, how close are you following what he's doing with the Vipers? It's like, not a bit. <laughs> not a bit. So I, I, give, I, me, give me the numbers. Give me the numbers. Well, well, okay. So I'll pull him up. I'll pull up his 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 uh, Vipers numbers. But I just feel like I'm seeing uh, graphics of like Ty Ty Washington. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find some. Oh man, I'm not Viper stats. Here we go. They're hard to find in the G League, actually. I was gonna say G League stats are G League stats for the podcast. I have to I have to come with those and be ready with those uh like on the ready for <laughs> sure. But but either way, like I guess the point being, you just drafted Ty Ty. Knicks, like you mentioned, you've got the uh you know, you've got the contract that you gave him last year, but there's just, there's just, I'm just not really seeing enough. I'm trying to remember what, there was one game where it was like, it was his best game. I can't remember if it was one of the Denver games. You might have to refresh my memory. Well, we, we talked about it, about it being his best game, but like, but aside from that, it just, I don't know. It just hasn't, it hasn't come together for me. I'm not seeing Ty Ty's uh, Viper stats, but and, and, 20, 20 points uh, about a week ago, seven or 18 shooting, three or seven from, from three-point line, 27 the game before that. Uh, so, yeah, um, 20, 27 and 20 in back-to-back games, it looks like. So um, there there have been some moments to be encouraged with Ty Ty Washington, albeit against uh, inferior competition and opponents, but – Maybe more of it is more than anything. It's like the unknown of him and the underwhelming play of Dacian Nix. Yeah, I think you you said it right there. I think that's that's the reason for it. And, and the reason I don't really pay too much attention to G League stats, especially for a point guard, he's basically down there. He has the ball in his hands a lot, and they have basically said we want you to be aggressive. So yeah. basically, for a 19 year old, when they say be aggressive, that means go get your shots. And so that's why I think. You see, you see the numbers the way that they are, and I'm not discounting it. I have just talking to somebody down there. He's been good, and he's played well, but I don't think that that means you just like throw him into the NBA fire because there's a whole big difference between 
what you're doing down there and then coming up to the NBA. So I, I don't think there is any reason to necessarily try and rush his minutes, um, especially when you're still trying to get all the information that you can about Knicks. And I do think that there is some value to not just like giving up on Dacian Knicks at this point, just because you have invested a lot of time in the guy, you invested a contract into the guy last year. So to just cut the cord after 24, 25 games, I think would be a little bit of a rash decision, but he does need to be better. And the contract isn't guaranteed for next season. So this is basically a dress rehearsal for him. Yeah. And, and point taken on the strategic element of let Ty Ty cook in the G league, you know, whenever, whenever you send the guy down like that and you're trying to get him. I mean, the whole point is you want him to get some type of experience and to be playing as opposed to just sitting there and watching the whole time, uh, you know, with the NBA squad. So, all right, man. So next time we talk, the Rockets will have played the Spurs on the road. And they will come home and play Milwaukee. Uh, so they'll play they'll play Milwaukee on Sunday at home. Spurs on the road on Thursday. Milwaukee at home on Sunday. I'm curious from you as someone who follows the team and is around the team as much as anybody. I was having this discussion with Ron the Show Hughley, our, our afternoon host of The Drive, Sports Radio 610. And, and I wasn't really sure what to think about it or if I really if I'd really thought about it much. But is do you feel like this is a team that just gets up for big that gets up more for bigger games than ones uh, like the ones at the against? I, I mean, I'm speaking to the clear difference here between playing the Spurs on Thursday, the Spurs, the only team that's worse than them in the Western Conference and then the Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday. Um, uh, clearly a, a contender in the Eastern Conference and coming off this win against the, the Sixers who hope to be contenders in the Eastern Conference. Do you feel like this is a team that that just gets up more for bigger games and better teams or, or is there nothing to that? Oh, no, I think 100%. And I think that that's the case, though, with all young guys. I mean, you look across and you see, uh, you know, James Harden and Joel Embiid, you're going to get up for that game a little more than when you look across and it's Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson. I mean, that's just natural. I mean, you've been watching James Harden your whole life, and with some of these guys, they have relationships with him. And so you want you want to play well in that game. And I think it's the same thing, you know, against Giannis. And Giannis really he, he knocked them around uh, when they played back in October. So yeah, I think that that's the case with. I think that's just human nature. When you see the big name, when you see the big time team, you're always going to come out with a little bit more energy than when you're playing against the lottery team that has lost 11 straight games. So yeah, I don't. I think that for sure they get up for, you know, some games more than they get up for others. And I think that that's just pretty natural. Yeah, I get that. I also feel like if I'm a team that where winning is hard to come by, wins are hard to come by, I'd get up for for the Spurs. Like, I'd be like, hey, man, there's a (laughs) – there's a mark <laughs> like I, I I get the from the competitor standpoint. Maybe I'm just not a competitive enough person. Well, it's, it's a long season, though. So you're yeah. you have a lot of games and you don't get to play James Harden very often. You don't get True. to play against Giannis very often. True. Uh, they haven't seen LeBron yet, but they you know, you don't get to play LeBron very much. You play 82 games. You might see those guys twice, maybe three times, maybe four times a year. So 
Uh, I, for me, it's only natural to get up for the big games. I think it's – and that's why this is an interesting game tomorrow uh, you know, against San Antonio. It's the first time all year that they'll be favored. I mean, they're, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite right now. They've been the underdog for the first 24 games of the year. So this is a game – I mean, this is a game that you should win. I mean, San Antonio's down um, – uh, it's starting center and Jakob Pertl. Uh, Jeremy Sohan's not going to play for them either. So this is a game. If we talk about progress. We talk about getting better. I would like to see them with just a resounding 48-minute type effort where they they come out with the right energy. They come out with the right force. They have a big lead, and they just coast the rest of the way. That's what tomorrow night should be. You know, I hadn't thought about it from the standpoint of the betting line. I hadn't seen the betting line. But it is the first time, and I'm just thinking about it as we just discuss it now. It is the first time that they that they'll have a game where I've thought the thing that you just said. Where here's a game you should win. You know, you you should win this game. I don't feel like even the bad teams that they've played. I don't feel like I've ever thought that <laughs> throughout any any one game that they've played this year, uh, even the ones that they've won. So so that is. An interesting thing. All right, Adam. So let's we'll we'll see how it goes. Let's see how uh, how things go against the Spurs, against the Bucks, and we'll talk after that. Uh, H Town Hoops podcast. Get it on Odyssey. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, telling your friends about it. And uh, yeah, and until next time, we will see you. <laughs>